Good evening, good evening, good evening, Red Raider Nation. This is Joe with the Cotton Club crew coming to you with a sober up Kansas State football reaction. And it was a doozy, ladies and gentlemen. There's no other way you could put it. Um, things didn't go the way of the Red Raiders, as everybody may have already seen or already heard. And we're just going to kind of briefly touch on that this evening. Um, we're going to come to you in kind of like a two-part series deal or a two-part episode. Me and um, Reed will be taking care of the first half of this recap. And then Macon's going to jump on here shortly after and kind of just add to what me and Macon, or me and Reed put down. Um, and we're just going to kind of go from there. Once again, very, very tough outing for the Red Raiders um, on Saturday night, getting gouged by the run by a Kansas State offense that hadn't really been doing a whole, whole lot on the offensive side. A true freshman scoring five touchdowns on you or a freshman scoring five touchdowns on you, letting sunshine loose there. If you saw his Goldilocks hair, I mean, he just he ran all over us, scored five times. He was the the the. MVP of the game. Their defensive front kind of handled our offensive line. We'll kind of touch on that and things, anything else that kind of play calling, all of that stuff we'll kind of touch on this evening. Reed, I'm just going to jump to you quick or real for the first question. What were your first initial thoughts of this football game on Saturday evening? Yeah, I mean, I think what's what's mainly frustrating about the entire thing is that um, at least half, maybe even three fourths of the way, you're you're in the game. Really, um, obviously, you lose Baron to uh, to an injury, or what what probably could be a multitude of things. It sounds like it just kind of added up and forced him out. Uh, and I think most people know he's been tampered by a shoulder for the last few weeks anyway. But um, yeah, it's just one you let slip away. Obviously. Defense didn't play well against the run. Um, I kind of second McGuire in his post-game presser. There was um, somebody asked him about about the the freshman, you know, rushing attack. Obviously, it was five rushing touchdowns, and he had mentioned he, there were some holes he thought he could ran through, which I'd have to agree with. And you know, I, this Kansas State offensive line is always sound. Um, yeah, I guess even defensive line, they're just they're very good in the trenches usually. Um, didn't think the gap was that big by any means for them to kind of bully us off the ball, especially in the second half as much as they did. So I think that was the biggest letdown um, outside of what everybody knows with the, with the play calling there um, after Jake Strong went in the second half. So uh, just a really, really poor second half more than anything. First half was, was, was pretty good both ways for the most part. Um, and then me really just completely fell apart down the stretch, uh, partly – those turnovers from strong. I don't know if that's um, more of a strong issue or uh, uh, a play calling issue. Obviously, um, Kaylee's not the one throwing the ball, but at the same time, you got to, at the, at the least, you got a top 10, if not better, running back in the nation um, standing right next to him. So you'd like to think he'd be handing the ball off a little bit more than he did. So, um, again, just, just a frustrating second half primarily, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what we can, we can do this weekend because I don't really know who's going to trot out a quarterback. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. And I was talking to Jack about this uh, at the game because I was in attendance. It was weird because the game was 
so close there in the first half, and it didn't feel like it. And what I mean by that is the energy was up in the stadium. People seemed to be buying in, but it just felt like we weren't even in the game. Now, that may have just been me. That may have just been Jack, but Jack agreed with me that, you know, it, you know, the score was relatively close at that point in time. I think it was just a touchdown or something right in, in that, in that um, one score game. And it felt like we were down three scores, just how it felt. And it, it was a weird, weird feeling to have there in the stadium. We were bullied up front. Obviously, this was the first time our offensive line got the chance to go up against a, a top, I wouldn't say, you know, premier defensive front, but they're top 20 in the nation, which is, you know, that they, they've, to your point, they've been relatively good on both sides of the ball in the trenches. That's just, you know, who they are and how they're built, you know? So it was really, really, um, that was really a big test for this offensive line. And it seemed like they, they did enough at times. I mean, Taj was averaging, I believe over five yards a carry and just like the whole, how the whole game, translated after that like I said it just kind of felt off it felt off from from early on after the the first quarter you know Barron's getting lit up he's running for his life we're kind of just running the ball it's just you know just a really weird game how it all came about but overall I mean I guess as I've been speaking in several pods before this this is just one of those games that you wanted to build off of we you had been building success you know the previous couple of games before and then you don't ever want to regress in a wide open big 12 race and it seemed like you did that it seemed like you were caught with your pants down on multiple times mcguire did say he would could possibly run through some of those holes myself anybody else who was watching the game saw some of those lanes and different camera angles there he was right and schematically, you'd think that we would do something different on the defensive front or if our guys were just gassed because these guys are, you know, pretty big guys. I mean, it's just it's it was hard to tell what was going on. I know this team wants to play. I know they're hungry. I'm on the field every home game before the before the game starts. And, and I see it. I see all of this stuff happening and they're they're amped. They're fired up They're this, that and the other. It's not because of the lack of trying or lack of heart or lack of anything like that. I It's hard to say exactly what it is. It's just they get the life sucked out of them at times. And, you know, it was so terrible. I was talking in a pod like, oh, they lost their big guns from last year and Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez. No way they're going to gouge us this year. And they did. <laughs> they they. They they put it to us on the offensive side of the ball, and they were getting up after us defensively. But, you know, we also did have a third-string quarterback in there, um, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's kind of heard that with Barron going down there in the after the second – after the halftime, he was replaced by Jake Strong. So I'm not going to put any of this on Jake. Um, I guess this is stuff that happens to somebody who hasn't taken meaningful reps in a game before. Uh, he missed a little high on a throw. He was behind a receiver. If you looked at how he was moving his feet in the backfield, he was kind of happy feet, you know, just uncomfortable, you know, and um, that happens. That totally happens. But 
as an offensive coordinator, you have to help your guys out. We have a top 10 running back in our backfield right next to him. I know they were kind of loading the box and things like that, but you got to kind of pull some of the, the weight off of, off of strong and you didn't, you didn't do your best to help him out. And I believe he even said that in a press conference this afternoon that he needs to be better at that. But I mean, that's a broken record, man. We've been talking about that all year long uh, about playing to your strengths and, you know, you're going away from one of your strengths. So a lot, a lot of soul searching. Uh, this is a big game against BYU going into our bye week after this week. And let's see if we could just kind of all put it together, but, Reed, jumping back onto the play calling side of it. I know Kitley's been getting a lot of heat for his play calling all season, sometimes very, very bad with sprinkles of good, sometimes very good with sprinkles of bad. It's just a mixed bag of offensive play calling. In your eyes and what you've seen um, all year from Texas Tech and then most notably on Saturday, what do you think Kitley's biggest issue is as an offensive coordinator for this Texas Tech football team? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I've, I haven't been. Um, I'll, I'll say this: I Kitley came in with with pretty big with a pretty big name um, in, in the coaching world on offense. Uh, I was anticipating a cliff-esque type offense, I guess. Um, maybe that maybe shouldn't I shouldn't have done that just because I didn't know a lot about Kitley in terms of um, schematics and, and things other than what he did with Zappi at West, uh, Western Kentucky and then um, obviously Houston Baptist slinging around. But um, that could have been more Zappi than, than anything because, yeah, it was just a really good natural talent. So um, not that our guys are bad. I don't think any of them have the arm that Kelly Zappi does, though. So um, the biggest issue I've had with him is just not riding what works, it seems like. Obviously, on Saturday, I think that was – Part of the problem, um, especially with your, your third string quarterback in, you, you got a, a really good back in Taj Boyd, and I mean even his backup Valdez has played really well this year and and at certain times. Um, I mean I agree with McGuire. There was a lot of times that their um, their guys were hitting our running backs at the line of scrimmage or sometimes even behind it, but they were good enough to still pick up yardage out of it. I mean if, if we're taking three or four to five yards at a time. I'd rather do that than, I mean, on that fourth and two was strong, and we throw a 30-yard go route to, to Bradley. I mean, that was that's probably the last thing we need to do in that situation with the, with a new quarterback in. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like he, he needs to be better about um, kind of going what's what what's what working, and then uh, obviously sprinkling other stuff as needed. But there's really just a lot of times where he, I feel like he's, he's forcing something he wants to do and whether it's working or not, he's going to go with it. So, um, I mean, I guess that's good in a certain sense, but not in the other. So I'd just like to see him kind of adjust to what the game's given him and you know, keep riding what's with, with what's working. Yeah, it's, it's really, really tough to gauge exactly what's going on here. Obviously, you know, for, for many reasons, you know, um, said reasons, you know, you have a top five running back in the nation going into this game. You have a stout defensive front, but they have given up some yardage to running backs. 
you know, in the season. So it's not like they couldn't be ran on. And for a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, or I don't know exactly what Strong is. I think this is his second year on campus. Um, but essentially a true freshman coming in for the second half and you essentially just forgetting about the run altogether, you know, for the entire second half while you have a, a guy who hasn't taken a meaningful snap in college, made a meaningful throw or had, you know, a whole game put on his shoulders in college. I mean, that's just, that's tough sledding for, for somebody with that much experience. And you didn't do him any favors by, by playing, play calling, you know, go routes and things like that. You did do some things right with him out there. I think Strong made a really good read on a option play. Um, the one that he scampered for 50 plus yards there down the sideline and almost scored. You know, those are the good things. Those are the attributes and the skill set that, that Strong has. But as far as passing the ball, you didn't do what you needed to do to help him out. And that was, like I said, that was really, really tough um, to watch because, like I said, he's a good kid. I mean, he's a he came out of a 6A school. I believe it was Denton, Denton Geyer, if I'm not mistaken, or Denton Ryan, one of the Denton schools, one of the big 6A schools he came out of. So, I mean, he's played some big, big boy football in the state of Texas, you know. But you just, like I said, you didn't do anything you could to help him be successful, help this team be successful. You didn't, you just didn't do it. And that's what bothers me the most because, you know, I'm no coach by any means. I just know that in any level from high school up that I've seen a second string quarterback or even a third string quarterback come in to a game, it's what do you do? You just do everything to you not put so much pressure on him. And if I know that and a majority of our fan base knows that, then why are you doing this to our guy like that. I mean, you're just essentially putting him back there with a target on his back. It it sucks, but man, it just it's 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 really tough to see. Like I said, you're trying to help your guys out and you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Now is Kitley coaching for his job? Is Kitley is Kitley on the hot seat? I mean, these are all fair questions to ask. I don't think he's necessarily going anywhere, to be completely honest. But, I mean, there does need to be change. McGuire does need to probably step in and say, hey, override these things. I know Barron and Tyler had the keys to the car as far as changing a play up. Obviously, Jake's not going to have those, those same kinds of privileges. So we're just kind of stuck with what Kitley calls. And that's where I have a problem. And like I said, it's just, it's, it's night and day different. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's bad. And it, it's just not consistent enough for an offensive coordinator to your point that came with so much kind of offensive prowess and knowledge and things like this. This is kind of like a, a, a splash, splash higher. And for the product that we've been putting out on the field, it just, like I said, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't come up to snuff. So it's it's tough. It's tough to watch as a tech fan and anybody else who's watching it. I'm sure it's tough on the players that are playing in the game, and it sucks, man. I, I I really truly feel for those guys because they're playing their asses off. But this is kind of what's left out there. So um, we'll see what changes get made um, upcoming on um, Saturday when we travel to Provo. 
and play BYU. They just got done coming off of a beatdown as well, the hands of TCU. So this game is meaningful for a bunch of different reasons, but we'll get into that later on in the week. Um, We also do have a, a interview with a gentleman from BYU who we spoke to earlier on the year, you know, just kind of knowing your opponent moving forward in the Big 12. We'll be touching base with him on Wednesday, so look out for that. Um, but switching over to the the defensive side of the ball there, Reed, the last two weeks, well, not the last two weeks, since the halftime at, against Houston to the full game against Baylor to – to before the Kansas State game actually happening, the defense was playing pretty well across the board. The adjustments were being made. The guys were flying around. We were making plays. In your eyes, what did you see that this defense didn't do that they had been doing the last couple of games that made their defense successful? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's really kind of a tough question, honestly. I, I think, um, I mean, obviously we got gouged on the ground, but, um, I mean, I'd have to look at it and see statistically what we gave up towards the back end. But I feel like a large a large portion of that rushing attack that we gave up was um, in the third quarter and in the fourth after all those turnovers through the air from, from Strong and then, um, I mean, just getting worn down. Obviously, I don't want to blame it on that and just kind of put it off as being worn down. But I think at the end of the day, I think that's kind of what it came down to. Um, again, I think Kansas State's got a really good offense and defensive line. Both sides of the ball are always sound in those aspects. And um, I think it finally just got to us a little bit. So that and another thing, too, is we didn't really – I personally haven't watched Kansas State a ton this year, but I was really surprised to see how much they were rolling this freshman in. Um, even, I mean, even in the first half, I guess if they had that really good, I believe his first drive in, they scored, uh, might be wrong, but I think they realized, um, you know, if they, if they were able to move the ball that well with them, then might as well roll with them and see what else he can do. So, um, they saw something schematically with him that, that they kind of have advantage with on our defense and they definitely made use of it. And I really think it, it hurt us cause we were, it seemed like we played, um, uh, forgive me, I can't remember the starter's name now, but I feel like we played him pretty well. I mean, for the most part, when he was in, I felt like we we played pretty sound across the board. Um, didn't let him get out of the pocket a ton and kill us with his legs because um, he's not necessarily quick, but he can definitely move around, be mobile. So um, I was so it was good to see how well we played against him. But really, just goes back to <laughs> the freshman just killing us. But even then, I don't feel like he was doing anything special to really. Uh, drive the numbers that he got. I think our guys were just getting blown off the line. And um, I, I think this inexperience at the linebacking group got to us in this game uh, more than it has recently. Um, our younger guys have, have played well back there. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I think them not filling some holes is kind of what killed us on a couple of those big runs that their quarterback had. So uh, that was uh, – that was probably probably the main thing for me is linebacking play was not where it needed to be. And I, th- I think McGuire may have even touched on it, obviously, with when he was talking about the uh, the holes that they were creating. Part of that was just the linebackers not filling the right gaps um, from the from blocking schemes that Kansas State were giving them. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, secondary didn't really have to do a ton to um, 
you know, from a passing scheme, I guess, to really sway me one way or the other and how they did. Uh, we didn't really get burned on the pass too much from what I can remember. So, obviously, it was it was all on the ground, but uh, everybody's got a hand on that when it comes to rushing. So, uh, safeties can get thrown on that as well, too. So, um, I'm hoping this weekend. I really haven't watched a ton of BYU, but I got to think they're probably going to be more reliant on the run than they are the pass. It's typically how they usually are. So we're going to have to be ready to uh, take a lot of hits up the middle and you know make some tackles this time around, fill the right gaps. Yeah, this is kind of one of those games where you miss a guy like Jacob Rodriguez, right? You know, you have a, a leadership skills guy who gets people, you know, where they need to be kind of like, you know, the linebackers that we've had in the past. You know, we've kind of been – you know, we've been gifted with some really, really good linebackers over the past. And this is one of those games where you wish you had one of those kinds of guys still manning the middle of your defense, you know, getting guys put in place where they need to be And This is like, you, to your point, it's just one of those things that, you know, you wish you had because it did hurt you. You know, we were caught out of alignment a couple different times, got caught. Um, there was a couple guys on the offensive line that, that I saw that were giving our, that were pancaking our linebackers and our defensive front right off the ball. They were getting pushed back two to four yards and, you know, just opened up these massive running lanes for their quarterback. Yeah. A lot of people weren't really talking about Avery Johnson. I think that's his name, the quarterback. Um, everybody was more on Will Howard and then taking, getting rid of Giddens. You know, those were the two guys, the two main guys that, we're going to hurt you. And, you know, we kind of got blown out by a couple guys that we weren't really talking a whole lot about. Um, obviously Johnson, the quarterback, and then Ward, the running back, he had 15 carries for almost 120 yards at almost eight yards a carry. And I don't care what level you you're on. If you're getting gouged up like that on defense, I mean, you're not, you're not going to win many ball games. And incredibly enough, we were in this game for a while there, given all of these things that were happening, it's just that, you know, we know what happened on the offensive side of the ball. We just kind of won't go back there. So it's, it's just like you said, you know, you wish you had that guy manning the middle with a little bit more experience, get your guys set up, things like that. These are the things that you want to have. Uh, we will be getting Jacob Rodriguez back either this upcoming Saturday or for the TCU game. Not exactly sure how that's going to play out, but I guess we'll see. But, you know, our defensive backs didn't really have to do anything. They, I think they only passed for a total of maybe 20, 20 times collectively between Howard and Johnson um, for like 160 yards. You did have some receivers that, you know, had a few catches. Sonat, which is, you know, they're everything tight end. He had six for 72. And then you had Brooks had that had four. And then just a handful of other players that just had had won them reception each so I mean the defensive backs didn't really have to do anything a lot of this is on the front getting pushed back and bullied and you know and our guys just being out of position there on the defensive side of the ball and it's just like I said it, this was kind of gave me um, flashbacks of Baylor last year you know not being able to set the edge not getting pressure on the quarterback not doing this or that you know it was just a lot of different things that just went bad for you that game and this was that game this year and it was like I said, you can't sugarcoat this. This 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 sucked. This was terrible to watch. It wasn't fun to watch at times either because you know that this team is a whole lot better than that. So 
we'll see what adjustments get made on the front. Like I said, I don't know if the Jacob Rodriguez um, is coming back this week. That's going to be on a day-to-day basis. And we'll kind of know later on in the week if that's going to be happening whenever we do our preview show for the BYU game itself. I'm sure we'll have an answer for you by then, and we'll see what, what happens. But it was just, like I said, it was hard to see our defense struggle this bad, just given on who it was running the ball and how he was doing it. They weren't doing anything special. I mean, they weren't, you know, doing these razzle-dazzle run plays or anything like that. I mean, it was a simple concept, but they were just so good off of the line, and we weren't good off of the line, and they just made us look, you know, very, very below average, and it made them look like they were all pros. So, like I said, it was just real tough to watch. Um, obviously, like I said, we were in the game for there a while and they were, you know, kind of holding their own as well, but you know, they got tired. They got gassed whenever a team runs on you this much. I mean, you're going to lose some steam at the end. That's just, that's how it works. That's how all of it works, you know? So we'll see what happens with this upcoming week of practice and what we do differently going into BYU on the defensive side of the ball, because I'm sure T or I'm sure BYU is going to be looking at this tape and taking things from this game that they could utilize against us on Saturday. So, like I said, we'll kind of get more into that um, as the week comes along, whenever we put more content out there. But other than that, I mean, there's not a whole, whole lot more to touch on. I mean, we could talk about how, Jake Strong did for like as a first impression kind of deal. And this it's not fair to him to to grade or say how good he did. I mean, he did well on his feet there on that one play that he scampered down the sideline. He did make some throws and Bradley made a hell of a catch helping him out by just, you know, um, toe tapping that touchdown there in the corner of the end zone. Things like that. Those things are stuff you could build on for him. But uh, he's still rough. He's, he's still kind of like a blank canvas. You don't know exactly what you're going to get with Strong. But, uh, I mean, like I said, he went to a, a high-powered high school. He's been in these games before. He's about to get a whole lot of meaningful snaps in practice. I don't know exactly the status of Barron moving forward, um, at least for this upcoming game. But we'll see. I mean, maybe we see a strong a strong start, you know. And I hope we get a strong start. No, no pun intended that, you know, we just need that. We need a quarterback or a solid performance from our quarterback, you know, to kind of to finish the end of this year. And we'll kind of just go from there. But Reed, I'm going to go ahead and cut this one down for us for the evening. I'm sure Macon's going to come back in and touch on some other things. Is there anything else you needed to add this evening, sir? No, you know what? I think we just uh, looking forward to next week. Um, going into a bye week, we could really use a win. Um, if we got any aspirations for postseason, um, if you if you lose Saturday, sitting three and five, got a hard time believing we're going to find three more wins down the road. Unfortunately, so um, you know, winning Saturday goes a long way for you. And I know McGuire said there's a chance. Um, Barron starts Saturday. I'd be really surprised that's the case if he's actually as beat up as I think he is. Um, I think it'd be smarter probably just to do what you can with Jake and um, hope we can get a win and 
save for save Baron for after the bye week to give him some more time to rest up because um, I realized earlier actually that TCU game is on a Thursday, so I actually have a couple of less less days to get ready to go. So I, I think it'd be probably wise to sit him out Saturday and let Jake take the reins and uh, hopefully pull out a win for us. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think we need to to go ahead and give it to Strong, get him all the practice, and then see if we could get a W with him in, in Provo, give Barron some extra time to rest, and, you know, hopefully he'd be up and ready for the TCU game. I'm not the coach. I don't make the millions of dollars to make these decisions, but that's just my personal perspective, you know, just to give Barron a break because I know he's hurting. He's took some big shots on Saturday, um, back issues, shoulder issues, things like that. So he he needs a little bit of a blow. So this this bye week couldn't come any quicker for him. But I, if we don't need to expose him to any more unnecessary hits, then I think we should kind of go all in with, with Jake for this Saturday. But like I said, we'll know more about that as the week comes, and we'll kind of go from there. But um, this is Joe with Reed from the Cotton Club crew signing off this evening. We will be back this week with more content. Um, looking ahead to the BYU game and, you know, just stay with us. You know, we're, it's a rocky road folks and we're all on it, in it together. And, you know, there's not a real whole lot of bright spots to look right now, but guess what? You know, it will get better. I feel that we have the pieces there for it to get better. We just have to weather the storm. So from Joe with the cotton club, cotton club crew, I am signing off this evening Wreck them and have a great rest of your week. Hello, hello, hello. This is Macon. I am not going to be able to join the guys for recording. I'm actually on the way to a dinner when they're going to be doing the recording. So I wanted to record my thoughts separately, added here to the end, something we've done in the past quite often. Um, <clears throat> the outcome against Kansas State was extremely disappointing. It was extremely disappointing to see your defense play poorly. I'm going to start there because I've harped on the offense the last couple of days, and I'm going to get to that. But I want to say the defense played badly. You know, they played pretty well against Baylor. I, I thought that other than, I think, that late drive, they were pretty much as good as you could ask for out of a Texas Tech defense with the kind of depth you've got and the injuries piling up. Um, but this looked a lot more like the Texas Tech defense that played against Houston in that first half. Not quite as porous, but when Avery Johnson came in, they just lost the ability to contain the quarterback. In the first half, I thought Kansas State did a great job attacking the edge. Tech's Ends are just not holding up there in the market. Steve Lent was a non-factor in this game. Miles Cole was a non-factor in this game. Um, you know, you're getting no pressure from the from perimeter pressure, and you can't you can't hold an edge to save your fucking life. They're counting on the secondary really flying down and making great plays, which they need to do. And I think it's something they're pretty good at. With Baskerville out, I don't believe he played a snap in this game. If not, I don't think he recorded a stat. But um, you know, if him banged up, you're 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 just leaning on more and more and more on a banged-up secondary linebacker group to make up for the fact that the D-line is just not playing well. You know, I think Bradford and Hutchins are still doing their job, but they can't do it alone. They have got to get help, and the depth, the depth players have been there to make great plays. It, it's just been a lot of bad. You know, I trust him to, Tim DeRuiter absolutely to fix it. You know, I think he made an adjustment at halftime. I thought Tech did a better job getting to the edge. The problem is that Johnson just attacked him up the middle. I think a lot of that speaks to the linebacker concerns because those kind of runs are a bit trickier. They usually have some sort of read option or some sort of hesitation, a lot of moving pieces. They're just, that's how Kansas State's offense works, you know, a lot of pulling guards. 
and you can see that the lane discipline just isn't really there for that group right now. I would love to see what this group would look like with Jacob Rodriguez out there and C.J. Baskerville on the back end really coming after this D. But, you know, you're banged up and wishing won't make it true, so you just got to live with it. Um, you know, they didn't play well. It's that simple. I thought that they kept you in the game for a while, you know, despite not playing very well. I think it was like three minutes left when this game was 17-14. to 14. The wheels came off when the offense started turning the ball over every drive, and it could really just suck the energy out of the squad. But, you know, it you took the lead and you immediately pretty much gave it back up. And I think that Tim DeRuiter is the guy that to do this. I think he could fix it. He's been phenomenal here. But you can't make up for injuries and death not being there. And it's still not there right now. Um, you know, you're, we just have to keep hoping that, you know, Steve Linton has another Baylor-like performance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because if he doesn't, I think you just can't generate edge pressure. You know, I didn't expect you to replace Tyree Wilson. Really, you know, all the hype aside, I don't think anybody really expected that kind of performance. We're getting nothing from Steve Linton right now or the edge group in general. And you're getting so little pressure. Um, there was a play pretty early on that I also think sums up another problem that he was having. Then Will Howard, like, dead to rights, and he shook off the tackle and ran for a first down. I mean, shit like that was something. I talked about this. My key to the game, control the mobile quarterback. They're going to run him. They're going to run him a lot. They went to Johnson. That kid can really fly. I'm not looking forward to seeing him develop because if he starts to really pick up his arm, that's a dangerous quarterback. I mean, that's a kid who's confident and can really run. If he really develops into a mobile quarterback, you know, with a maybe not the best arm in the world, but a plus arm, that's going to be a tough Kansas State offense to face for years to come. He's going to be there a while. But anyways, you just you, no lane discipline, no edge pressure, no ability to hold the edge for a lot of that game. I mean, you just got beat. You just got beat defensively. I, I think it's that simple. You know, they didn't play with energy. And I think when the offense was struggling so mightily, it really sucked the wind out of them. Losing Baron Morton, but you know, there were moments in this game that the defense really could have taken charge. And all year they really have, and they didn't tonight. And it's that simple. They did not take charge tonight. They did not do enough to win you the game. Um, you know, alternatively, it's not like it was the world's worst performance, considering you got. What was I think you're at the 40 when that fourth and two win ape shit, and then you had three turnovers in this game. Otherwise, late in those picks. So you know, like for what it's worth, for what it's worth, you know, this was a a tough night for the defense overall. But not like they got a lot of help here. Um, offensively is where I think the, the the biggest you know massive dealership size red flags are, and the name on that flag is Zach Kinley. Look, I, I have been harsh on Zach Hitley since he's got here. I have not liked his scheme. I haven't liked how he's adjusted to what defenses are doing. I haven't liked how he's managed his team, how he's managed the quarterbacks. I haven't liked how he's managed his running backs. I haven't, I haven't liked anything about what he's done. And, you know, last year I didn't really feel good being quite as harsh as I was. I took a lot of heat for it. But this year, at this point, we're over a year and a half in, and he looks worse as an offensive coordinator. I thought he called his best game as an offensive coordinator against Oklahoma. I thought he got a pretty good game against Ole Miss, but Oklahoma was, you know, his uh, his masterpiece. They looked competent. They looked calm. He adjusted to what the defense was giving him. I thought that was a phenomenal, phenomenal called game. But we have seen literally nothing else come close to that. I, and it's not like Tech isn't scoring points, but, like, you're leaving so much on the table. And a lot of the reason why is he just refuses to take what the defense gives. You know, I thought Saturday night was the best example of this. Jake Strong comes in. Theory tells you, theory tells you Kansas State's going to play press man coverage, which they did, and they're going to put guys in the box six to seven, which they did. So it's going to be a tough hole to run the ball. I understand that. 
But the alternative solution is not to throw the fucking ball 30 yards down the field every route. Especially after that first pick when Strong was clearly shaken. It was just asinine. In that fourth and two call, I looked at the box count. Taj Brooks in the second half did not, did not have a rush for less than three yards. It was fourth and two. Kansas State was expecting you to run the ball with Taj Brooks. They had guys in the box to take it at you. But Taj had won that battle all second half and did not give him a chance. Because here's the thing. There were times he got stopped. I, I read Emery's thread, and I know what he's talking about. But at the end of the day is you don't have a receiver who's wide receiver one. There's nobody you count on in that situation. There's no go-to guy. Is it Miles Price? Not really. Is it Bradley? Not really. Quaken? Not really. Is it uh, maybe um, one of your tight ends? Not really. You don't have a guy that you're consistently counting on to pick up those yardage. You don't. So it was a critical moment in that game. Who do you go to? You go to your best overall player, a true freshman quarterback, who I also think ran that little option, speed option well. And I'm not saying you do that again, but I'm saying what that demonstrates is you run a little read option there, or an RPO at least, with routes targeting the middle of the field, designed to get the ball out quick. You know, I think I, I trust him to make that read. You know, he's probably going to default to handing off the ball to Brooks anyways, who I think can pick that up. But if you want to not just run straight line, that's what you should have done. The route combination call was awful, and if you look at the replay, I don't think a single receiver got free. And not only that, I don't think a single route was run to actually get that first down. They were run to get 15 to 20 yards, and it was unacceptable. Um, that one play is taking a lot of flack. It should. It was a bad call. But the bigger thing that I don't think enough people have talked about, the fuck are we doing in the hurry up with the true freshman out there? He was flustered, dude. He played with a lot of poise for what was going on that first drive. But he, once it started, the wheels started to come off, he looked overwhelmed. Instead of slowing the game down, instead of giving him a chance to catch his breath, make sure he knew what signals were coming in. Because that's the thing. Zach Kittley can't hide behind that his quarterbacks are, are audibly placed because we know from Coach McGuire that Jake Strong really wasn't allowed to. So, you know, you're running this hurry up, and it really felt like he, he just wasn't comfortable in it. He wasn't comfortable running, which I don't expect him to be. At his age, with his experience, I don't expect him to be comfortable running that hurry up. So to do it, I thought was unacceptable. I thought he just really focused on slowing the game down. The other thing, your defense was on its heels all night. Slow the game down. I do not buy that offenses are better moving fast all the time. I think that some offenses do really find rhythms moving extremely quickly. In fact, in the, I think if you ran a statistical analysis of hurry-up snaps, far more often than not, the fastest snaps Texas have attended, attempted have ended the worst. And I'm not saying that you go to complete slowdown, but there is a balance how to call this game with a true freshman, and he didn't show any, any, any feel for the situation at all. It was just unacceptable. So where am I at? I'm at the fire. I was at Fire Kitley after West Virginia when he threw that game. I mean, he threw that game, and he threw the Wyoming game. So at this point, and really, I mean, to be honest with you, you let Tyra Shuck do a little bit too much. He probably threw the Oregon game, too. At this point, you got to fire him. Your program will not get better with him as your offensive coordinator. And it's not to say that everything that the offense is going through is 100% his fault. Obviously, the offensive line struggled. Your center can't snap the ball. More often than not. I don't know how many low snaps we've had, but it's an unacceptable amount. And then there's the procedural penalties. Your receivers are struggling to get separation. That's also true. But the offensive coordinator is responsible for the whole product. And the offense overall, despite returning players, despite having all this gear, looks worse. And I'm not talking about the fact that Tyler Shutt got hurt. I'm not talking about the quarterback play. I'm talking about the fact that Zach Kittley continues to demonstrate he's not self-scouting, he won't take what a defense gives him, and he overall isn't doing his job. And if you disagree with me, I understand. 
Who are you going to go get instead of? I'm a big believer in anything can be better than what is one of the worst tech offenses we've seen the last several years. And I also understand maybe he just needs one more year. You know, you're going to go get Micah Hudson and uh, uh, Will and try to pair those guys up in a couple of years, and Baron Morton will be throwing to Hudson next year. But overall, what I'm trying to press upon everyone is if you're a supporter of Zach Kidley right now, ask yourself what looks better year one to year two. And don't don't look into it from the sake that we're, you know, obviously the quarterback situation is bad. I'm just talking about any position group. Does any position group look better? Does any scheme look better? And if the answer is, well, the running backs do, because Taj Brooks is an NFL back, and he's fallen, I think he's a bit better than Sir Roger Thompson was. He was also an NFL back. But if your answer is that, and then ask yourself, is there any reason for the lack of touches Taj got in your losses? You've lost every game. He hasn't gotten 20 touches. I think that I think maybe Tarleton State was the one game he didn't have twenty plus touches, but I think he did in that one too. He lost every game; he hasn't gotten it. So ask yourself, what are we what are we really doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And if you can't identify anything that's gotten better in the second year, then why do you think it's going to get better in the third year? That's my argument. We can talk about box counts. We can have a reasoned discussion about what should have been done, but the results are the results. Joe McGuire kind of upset me when he said, "Like, ah, oh, if it had worked, we all would have been happy about it." But that's the thing. Nobody's happy with losing. If you win, we're happy, and we didn't win. So I don't want to hear about, well, if it had worked, you would have been happy, because it didn't. So my, that's my two cents. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're going to start flipping the page starting probably Wednesday when we have our interview with uh, the Locked On BYU folks, and then we're going to you know, obviously have our ordinary preview and articles and all that jazz. But this was as frustrating as I've ever been with a Texas Tech coach, and that includes the David Yost years, and that includes the Matt Well era overall. So I, I am off the Kitley bandwagon. I never was really on it. I was off it earlier. I am, I've crashed it into the, the fucking garage at my house and just called it a day. I, I, I want to be wrong. I, let me be absolutely clear. I absolutely, without fail, want to be wrong here. I want to eat so much crow. I want to have guys DMing us that I'm a moron for talking shit. I want Kitley's brother and family to be laughing at me publicly. I want that to happen because it means Texas Tech's winning. I never root against Tech just to be right. Ever. And I'll never stop rooting for Tech every week. I want Zach Kittley to put on the most masterful performances because he's not going to get fired. At least not during the year. He probably won't be fired at the end of this year. But I, I don't see hope for it getting better. I just hope I'm wrong. You know, it's, it's blind optimism that tells me maybe there's a chance this gets fixed. We'll see what Baron Morton's status is. That'll be a huge help to have him back. We'll see how Jake Strong continues to develop because it's likely Barron probably isn't going to play against BYU. I really, I think that they got to rest him a week. I think that's what, how this is going to end up being, is they're going to rest him and play Jake Strong. But we'll see, you know. I'd rather be wrong than being right. All right, folks, let's all hope for a better outcome next week. Last week was tough. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll have a lot of great content coming to you guys all week long. Wreck them. Have a good night.